If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 15. So we're going to be in verse 14. I think my microphone's acting up. Is it okay? Okay, there we go. Verse 14, John 15. That's where we're going to be. And before we jump in, I just want to thank Pastor Derek for the opportunity to preach. I think he has to let me preach since he's my brother. But, uh, but thanks for letting me preach. It's an honor to be here. And I feel like I know Derek better than anybody besides his wife. And I just want to say, like, he really loves Jesus. Like, if you ever, like, like have suspicions towards your spiritual leaders, like, I just want to say, as someone who knows him really well, he loves the Lord. And he spends time with him every day. I think he's on, like, a 1,025-day streak of reading his Bible every day. He's beat me. Like, I, I mess up sometimes. But, but he, you know, spends time with the Lord every day, and, and he loves you guys. Like, like uh, there's so many times me and Derek will, will pray and talk about what God's doing in some of your lives. Maybe some of you think I don't know who you are, but, but I do. You know, me and Derek talk about you. <laughs> And what God's doing. And yeah, he just really loves Jesus and he loves you and, and your team here too. I mean, in the same vein, they love Jesus. They all spend time with Jesus and they love you. You're just really blessed to have the team that you have. You know, if you would have come in about seven years ago, you'd have a knucklehead who was 22, which is me. And I was on like a 12-day streak of reading the Bible. And then like no staff, right? So yeah, you're very blessed to have the team that you have. And tonight, yeah, John 15, 14 through 16, this passage has really been on my heart. And I was kind of confused as to why the Lord was leading me to it. But as I've dove in, I, I feel like he has a word for us. Let's look at it. It says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Okay, Jesus is talking to his disciples. This is just before he's crucified. He says, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends for all that I've heard from my father I have made known to you. And you did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Okay, the sermon title is A Life of More. All right, let's pray over this. Lord, we thank you for tonight. Holy Spirit, we thank you for keeping me awake past 830. It feels good to be partying with these college students. God, I pray that you would speak through this message. God, I pray that this would not just be like me trying to come up with something neat or something that sounds good, but this or but that this would be a demonstration of your Spirit's power. Holy Spirit, move. God, say what you want to say. If you want to take over and take it a different direction, you can do that. God, I give you permission just to lead this thing. And God, I pray that there be no heart in this room that's left untouched tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, so 11 years ago, I had a dramatic encounter with Jesus. Okay, so for the couple years prior to that, I had been kind of doing my own thing. I had grown up in the church. I was a senior in high school at this point. I'd grown up in the church, you know, I loved Jesus as a kid, but, but for my last couple years of high school, I was just kind of doing my own thing, and on July 22nd of 2011, I hit rock bottom. I just kind of hit that low point where I felt unforgivable, and God met me in that space, just had this traumatic encounter with Jesus, and, and really went from just trying to get into heaven to really loving Jesus. Like, my heart was, like, burning in my chest. Like, I just loved him so much, and just a month after that, I started school at UNI, and uh I was a freshman, obviously, and, and there was this ministry called Chi Alpha that had started the year before. It started as a small group on the top of Mocker Union. They'd meet out there. I'm sure it was very cold, but they'd meet on the top of Mocker Union, about 10 students. And I came, and I got involved with that Chi Alpha. I'll show a picture. I think, yeah, there's a picture. This is like our group of Chi Alpha students. You see me in the corner with the beanie. See, beanies are cool. Even back then, that was a weird beanie. But, uh, but uh, in Chi Alpha, I met my wife, Emily, who's in the middle as well. You can show a picture of our our family now. You go to the next picture. So there's our kids. We got Jane Abram and Caleb. So we met in Chi Alpha. 
And God just really grabbed my heart through the ministry of Chi Alpha. And uh, that fall, there was something called Fall Retreat. And a couple things about me. One, back then, I did not like nature. I've grown to really like nature. But back then, I did not like nature. So I'm like, you know, retreat sounds like something in the woods. I'm out. And then the other thing is I didn't like summer camp. And I know they called it Fall Retreat, but I'm like, sounds like summer camp. I don't want to go. So my pastor, Jonathan Bartholow, who is Jacob Bartholow's dad. Is Jacob here tonight? If he's not, I'm texting him afterwards. But anyway, so, so Jonathan Bartholow, my pastor at the time, called me, or not called me, he called my mom and said, will you pay for him to go to a far retreat? And she said, yes. So I got pulled into fall retreat. And I'm, I'm so glad that I was pulled in because, because God just moved in my life. So I came into the retreat addicted to pornography. I've been addicted to it since I was 12, looked at it every day and could not get free of it. It was just something in the background of my life that I was kind of hiding from people. And on Friday night at the altar, Jesus just set me free. It was just a supernatural moment with God and some friends. And he set me free. And then on Saturday... I heard about this really weird thing called the baptism in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. I'm like, what? Speaking in tongues? What is this place? Is this like a cult? No, I'm kidding. I didn't think that. Some of you thought that, but, but we'll pray for you. But uh, so, uh, you know, but I saw it in Scripture. I'm like, it's right there in Scripture. You can't argue with it. It's right there. You know, Acts chapter 2, 8, 9, 10, 19, it's all over. I'm like, I want it. If it's in Scripture, I want it. And God filled me with the Holy Spirit. I, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and my life just completely transformed after that. Like, pornography was dealt with partially on Friday night, but also, I believe, on Saturday night, as the Holy Spirit gave me power just to become the person that he had called me to be. In my experience up until that point, growing up in the church, my experience going to conferences and, you know, high-energy church services where everyone's jumping around was I would make, like, big decisions at these events. Like, I'm not going back to this. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to start sharing my faith. I'd be so jacked up. And that would last for about four days. And by Thursday, I'd be like, okay, I'm back to normal, back to where I was before. And after fall retreat, I was just determined. I said, I'm not going to let my life go back to the way it was before fall retreat. I want to be free, specifically of pornography. And I want to share my faith. I want to be the son that God has called me to be. I, I don't want to leave fall retreat at fall retreat. And when I got home from retreat, I just determined I'm going to figure out how to keep this fire burning beyond the retreat. And 11 years later, I can say this with the utmost sincerity, I'm burning hotter for Jesus than I ever have. That's just throughout it. I've just continued to burn brighter for him every year. I feel like I go deeper and deeper with him, and I feel like fall retreat was my floor. Like, I'm just going to be honest. Like, I don't need to go to fall retreat or an event like that to encounter Jesus. I just don't because I'm meeting with him every day. He's my friend. He talks to me. He encourages me. He strengthens me through community, also through his Holy Spirit. I don't need to go to another fall retreat ever again. They're great. I'm, I'm all for those things. But fall retreat was the floor, and I believe I'm just continuing to grow with the Lord. And that's what I want for you. Okay? I don't say that privately, just being honest. Like, like my relationship with Jesus is deeper now than ever, and I want that for you. I want 11 years from now for you not to look back and be like, wow, in college, like, God really moved. God really did some stuff. Now I'm just a bum, sits on my lazy boy, drinks a Bud Light at night, goes to church once in a while, and we're good. No, I want you to burn brighter for Jesus a decade from now than you're burning right now. Can I get an amen? Somebody, come on, we're about to start preaching tonight. I'm going to keep you all awake. Someone falls asleep, I'm throwing something at you, so don't, don't you dare fall asleep. <laughs> I want you to burn bright, and that's really what Sent Church is all about. We are all about helping our friends become fully devoted followers of Jesus, not just college students, but from the cradle to the grave. We want to follow Jesus with our whole hearts, and we want to burn bright for him. And that's what we're contending for here in the Cedar Valley. We are believing that God wants to raise up a generation of people who are all in with Jesus. That's what we're all about. All in, baby. Come on. If you're here to be half in, I'm sorry, this ain't the ministry for you. We are all in people. We want to go all in with Christ. We want you to burn. We want you to take fall retreat no matter where you go. Come on. 
Let's go. That's what, and then, so let me back up. I'm just like going, I'm not in my notes at all. So here's the thing. Okay, some of you right now are returning from the most spiritually impactful weekend of your life. Okay, and tonight all I want to do is just help you keep the fire burning. Okay, that's all I want to do. I'm just going to give you a little guide on how to keep the fire burning. But there's others of you who went to fire retreat and you're like, have all this pressure on you. You're like, I got to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If I don't receive it, then I'm not a legit Christian. Like, like I'm not spiritual or something. You have like all these expectations you, and you go into fire retreat with all this anxiety tied up in your heart about the things that have to happen. And then when it doesn't, then you're kind of frustrated with God. But the thing is, you're all bent out of shape during the retreat. Like, like, like where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So if you're all like bound up, like this has to happen for this to be a good retreat, that's a really hard space for the Holy Spirit to move in. And I want to encourage you. Maybe God wants to move in your life, not at a retreat, but, but maybe in the shower or maybe in the car. Maybe he wants to just meet you in a different place. I know my brother Derek, maybe you know him, the director of Kyle for you and I, great guy. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit in his car. All right? And he can be a little stubborn, a little stubborn once in a while. He said, I'm not leaving this car until I get baptized in the Holy Spirit. He locks the door. He sits in there. He's like, give it to me, God. I will wrestle with you all night until I get it. And he got it. It took him a few hours, but sorry. But uh, he got the baptism of the Holy Spirit in his car. And maybe that's what God wants for you. Here's the thing. The Lord doesn't want you to put all these expectations around what has to happen. That's not how God works, right? You don't get to tell him what to do. He tells you what to do. It's not on your terms. It's on his terms. Maybe God has something else for you than for you to receive it at Far Retreat. Okay? Is that okay? All right. So I'm going to try to help you figure out how to walk with Jesus, not just in these or super high-charged environments, but in day-to-day life. That's what I want to do tonight. And then finally, if you didn't go to fall retreat, first of all, as Jaden said, don't feel condemned. It's okay. But don't make the same mistake again. Like go to winter conference. Okay? So sign up. Once the, or once the registration, and that's hard for me to say because when you go to fall retreat and winter conference, you don't come to church that Sunday. I get sad. I'm like, our church just got old all of a sudden. What's going on in here? <laughs> I get sad when you're gone, but that's how much I believe in it, okay? I'm telling you to go to these retreats because they're life-changing. So, yeah, make sure not to miss the next one, but also just want to encourage you again that God is not confined to a campground in Boone. He can meet you anywhere, at any time, and in any place. Okay, so the reality is the Lord doesn't want us to feel like we can only encounter him in these special environments, I do believe a change of pace, a change of place can be really good. And I believe that retreats can just be these launching pads. Like, like they're incredible opportunities. God, or God uses them to put his mark on people. But the goal is that, or is that each of us would take what these events promise into our daily lives. Okay, the goal is that each of us would walk with the Holy Spirit in friendship every day. Okay, Jesus promised this in John chapter 14. He said, and I will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Okay, so Jesus here by the helper, he's, he's referring to the Holy Spirit. So helper means comforter, advocate, or guide. Okay, so if you're a son or daughter of God, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the spirit of the living God lives in your heart, the Holy Spirit, and he wants to walk with you in friendship every single day. Okay, so with that in mind, the question I want to look at tonight is how do we walk with the Holy Spirit in friendship daily? How do we make sure that the things that happen at Fall Retreat don't stay at Fall Retreat. How do we bring what Fall Retreat promises here? In John 14 and 16, Jesus gives his most extensive teaching on the Holy Spirit. And Pastor Derek unpacked these texts a couple weeks ago, so go back and listen. But sandwiched in the middle of these two chapters is chapter 15. There you learn something, 14, 15, 16. Okay? And at the beginning of the chapter, Jesus 
calls his disciples to abide in him. It's this idea of just remaining in him. Like he's got his wing right here and you're like sitting under his wing, chilling with Jesus. And he says that he's like a vine and his disciples are like branches. And if you want to bear fruit, if disciples want to bear fruit, you have to remain connected to him. Okay, it says this in verse four and five. It says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine and neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, so Jesus is saying that if his disciples don't remain connected to him in relationship after he's gone through the Holy Spirit, they won't be able to bear fruit. Okay, so it's like a branch that's on the ground, not connected to the vine, trying to bear fruit. Right, it's not possible. You think about a branch. I've seen lots of leaves and branches falling. Like this morning I was on my prayer walk and there's like leaves like swirling in there. I'm like... This is like Pocahontas or something. I don't know. This is awesome. Like there's just leaves falling. There's branches on the ground. So think about a branch on the ground trying to bear fruit, right? It's not going to work. You're like, eh, it's not working. Eh, it's not coming out. The fruit's not coming out. So that's what some of us try to do when we don't remain connected or connected with Jesus. It's in this context of talking about abiding in the Holy Spirit that Jesus gives a teaching, a short little teaching here on friendship with him. He calls his disciples his friends and then give some characteristics of what it looks like to be his friend. Okay, so as we consider how to walk with the Holy Spirit in our daily lives, I think this teaching on friendship with Jesus can guide us. And I think Jesus gives us three marks of friendship here, or three marks of what it looks like to be his friend. Okay, so the first thing is in verse 14, if you're taking notes, it says, it says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Okay, so very simply, Jesus is saying, you are Truly his friends, if you do what he tells you to do. Okay, so mark number one is obedience. If you're a friend of Jesus, you will obey Jesus. In our culture, obedience can kind of seem like a nasty word. Okay, so part of this is the American spirit. Our nation was birthed by rebelling against our nation, against Britain, was our nation. We or we rebelled against them. Disobedience is in our very DNA as Americans. We have this mindset that the government doesn't work for, or we don't work for the government, they work for us, right? The, and the American dream is you can pave your own way. You can be a self-made man or woman. Obedience to authorities is not necessarily part of the American spirit. And not just that, there's this ideology that's swirling around right now in, in the Western world that says that Truth is not found out there. There's not like an objective place to find truth, but actually truth is in here. If you just dig deep enough into your own heart, then you'll find the truth. So or what our culture preaches is whatever feels good for you is truth. And that's where we get that phrase, speak your truth. Speak, I hate that. I just don't like it. Speak your truth. No, there's one truth. Come on, somebody. No, it's not speak your truth. There is a truth, okay? And that's where we get that phrase from. We made ourselves the highest authority. We made ourselves the authority. On top of that, our trust in authority figures has eroded since the early 1970s. There are so many reasons for this, but, but one of the primary reasons is the scandals of leaders. And the biggest one that shook the public's trust and authority was Richard Nixon's Watergate scandal, the public's trust in the government just nosedived after that. So get this, in 1958, 73% of Americans trusted the government to do the right thing. 73%. And today, can you guess what that number is? 5% I heard. Anybody else got a guess? I heard like 13, 3, close. That was close. 20%. 20% of 
Okay, 20% of Americans trust the, yeah, I think they're right there. Come on. So 20% of Americans trust the government to do the right thing, okay? And, and this doesn't just apply to the government. We've seen scandals in the church. If you pay attention to church culture, there's been a lot of high-profile leaders who have fallen in the last couple of years. The church in America specifically has seen a falling of pastors, and pastors are less respected now than ever before. In 1977, 61% of Americans trusted pastors. In 2021, that number fell to 36%. Okay, so it's fun being a pastor. Just got to say, I'm a pastor. Ugh. Like, people give me the weirdest looks. Like, okay, buddy. But, uh, okay, so for some of us, we've allowed this distrust of authority to seep into our walks with Jesus. We're not convinced that it's a good thing for us to set aside our own ideas of what makes sense to obey Jesus. We're not convinced that he has our best interests in mind. That's why before you can obey Jesus, you need to truly meet him and know his heart. And you have to learn to trust him. Okay, so some of us, we think that obedience is about earning something from God, but obedience is actually just a response to God's love. He takes the initiative and we respond to him with obedience. It's a sign of trust. Jesus Christ, the son of God, gave his very life to save you. He gave his life to save you. If that's true, then you can surely trust him by obeying him. Right? If God gave his life for you, then I think you can trust him. John 15, 13, Jesus said this right before this passage. It says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Okay, so the only reason we can be Jesus' friend at all is because he gave his life for us. In verse 16, Jesus says that, that his disciples don't choose him, but he chooses us. He comes after us and puts his mark on us before we can do anything at all for him. Okay, so the hope is that, is that we would be so moved by his love that we can't help but obey him. We can't help but just do what he says to do no matter what it is. Obedience to Jesus is not something you do to earn friendship with him. Instead, it's simply a sign that you already are Jesus' friend. It's a sign that Jesus has put his mark of friendship on you. D.A. Carson says it this way. He says, disobedience is not what makes them friends. It's what characterizes his friends. Okay, so if you've truly encountered the love of Jesus and become his friend, then you're going to want to obey him. You'll want to do the things he tells you to do because you trust his heart. And here's the thing. As you obey him, you won't be perfect. Okay, so some of you are going to go out here tonight. I'm obeying Jesus no matter what. Guess what? You have a sinful nature, and you're going to have moments of weakness, specifically late at night, so go to bed, okay? So I'm just saying, just practical, right? You have more energy at the beginning of the day. At the end of the day, you're like, oh, you do dumb things, right? Nothing good happens between like 10 and 2. Okay, just go to sleep. But, and that's free. That's a free little nugget there for you. <laughs> Thank you. But the key <laughs> is that you make progress daily, that you become more and more like Jesus every day. That's the goal. Okay, so... Guys, when I got home from Fall Retreat, I was determined to walk in the freedom that Jesus had given me. Specifically, I was determined to never go back to pornography. Again, before this, I looked at it every day. But after retreat, I wanted things to be different. I determined to not just have an encounter with the Lord at the altar, but to have a changed life. I, I wanted to truly follow him no matter what the environment was. And as I considered how to obey Jesus, I really came up with three things over a process of time. The first thing is this. Spend time with Jesus first. First thing in the morning, spend time with Jesus. Start your day out right. Start on the right foot. Spend time with him. The second thing is don't be stupid. Can I say it again, somebody? Don't be dumb, all right? Have wisdom. 
set boundaries. All right, if things cause you to sin, then remove those things out of your life. It's just wisdom. And the third thing is to confess your sins. Find some people who you can confess your sins to because you're going to mess up and you need people who you can confess your sins to. And James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for, or pray, for, pray for one another so that you may be healed. All right, so confess your sins. Invite accountability into your life. Okay, so let me give you some examples of what I did. Okay, so specifically, I set my alarm clock an hour earlier to spend time with Jesus. I had to get up earlier. Okay, before I get up at like 10, got up at 9. was really getting to be an early bird. Okay, so, so did that. I remember, oh, it's so bad. My freshman year, I'd stay up till 4 o'clock every night. It was so stupid. And then there's one time I overslept an 11 o'clock class. If you do that, just know you've hit rock bottom. Okay, anyways. So set your alarm clock an hour earlier. Second thing, I talked about you know, setting boundaries. So I got accountability filters on my phone to help me with pornography. And also, like, here's a practical thing. So if you're in a relationship, I'm just going to give this to you. This is free again. Okay, another free piece of advice. If you're in a relationship, don't make out in a dark room at 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> right? Just, like, this ain't the dating series, but again, let's use some wisdom, somebody. Like, like, there's something that humans are supposed to do when that kind of activity is happening. There's something that's supposed to lead to. And then you're like, I messed up again. Well, you bozo, you're in a room in the dark at 11 o'clock at night. What do you expect to happen? You're a human being, right? God made you to enjoy sex in the context of a marriage. And those things lead to sex. All right, that's just free, right? Okay. And, and, the th- and again, confess your sins. Don't go in a small group and be veiled, okay? Like, I'm sure I have an unspoken prayer request. I hate those. Unspoken. Like, it's like spiritual, just pray for me. No, confess your sins. Be honest, okay? No one wants you to be fake, all right? Come on. I should get off my nose more often. You guys laugh a lot more than people at church do. I love it, all right. And I continued this process, okay? It's not just about pornography. I remember my sophomore year, I had a bunch of dirty movies. I I kept them after fall retreat, but anyways... And I remember at the end of my sophomore year, we're moving out, and I grabbed all my dirty movies, and I walked down my dorm floor and just passed them out to people. Here's this dirty movie for you. Here's this dirty movie for you. I gave them to people. I was the president of Chi Alpha, okay? And I'm passing out dirty movies with bad scenes on them. But I got rid of the movies, right? So praise God for that. Again, don't be stupid. But anyways, so, and you know, just a couple years ago, so I'm still doing these things. Just a couple years ago, we had a TV in our living room, and we found that Emily and I were just watching it constantly, and we decided to get rid of the TV out of the living room so we're not tempted to watch it all the time. Okay, so it's these basic, practical things that can help you to obey Jesus. And I also still, still have a small group of people who I confess my sins to. I still have to confess my sins. You know, I'll be straight with you guys. Last month in my pastor cohort, that's what I call it, I was weeping like a baby confessing my sins with my friends and brothers in Christ, right? We need a space to do that. Sometimes you just need to let it out and say, this is what I'm struggling with, and I need you to pray for me. There's power in that. There's so much freedom in that room as I confess those sins. All right, so John 15, 12, I want to highlight this too. Jesus says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So this is the commandment that he had just given them, okay? So his priority was that they would love each other. So tonight... To obey Jesus, maybe you need to forgive somebody. Maybe there's someone who you need to start, or start loving better. Or someone in this room, maybe. Someone who you need to start loving better. That's like the best witness to the world is brothers and sisters in Christ loving one another well. Or maybe for you, you need to walk away from a relationship. You know what? 
as we talk about obedience. Maybe you need to walk away from a relationship. There's a relationship that's causing you to stumble. Maybe your significant other does not love Jesus, and you need to break that off. Or maybe you need to start going to bed earlier, not at 4 a.m., right? Maybe you know, move it back to midnight, be, hopefully earlier, but hey, midnight. That's a good start. Or maybe you need to start being generous with your finances. You know, it's, it's never too early to start giving. Okay, I don't care if you make 100 bucks a month, right? Whatever you make these days. I made seven bucks an hour at Biscotti's, okay? I made no money. I don't know what it makes now, but point is, start being generous with your finances. Or maybe you need to have an accountability partner or get rid of a device. Or again, you need to confess your sins to someone. But the point is, if you want to carry the presence of God with you, you need to be obedient. You need to be someone who's not hiding things from others and from God. You need to be obedient. Okay, so what is Jesus asking you to do tonight? Yeah, that's the first thing. But Jesus' friends don't just obey. They also receive supernatural revelation from him. In John 15, 15, he says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends, for all that I've heard from my father I have made known to you. So the second mark is, is revelation. Okay, so not just obedience, but, but also revelation. If you're a servant or a slave of a leader, you are simply told what to do without receiving an explanation. You just need to do it because I'm telling you to do it, right? But if you're a friend of the leader, if the person who's leading you is your friend, then they're going to kind of let you into their hearts and their ways of thinking. And you'll get to enjoy their confidence. They'll tell you things that they don't tell other people. And you're going to be trusted by the leader if this person's your friend. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying to his disciples, hey, you're not just my servants who do my bidding, but instead you're going to get a window into my heart. You're going to get to be informed of my motives and my plans. You're going to get insight into what I'm thinking about. In John 14 and 16, Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit will come and give them even more revelation. It says this in verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Because a part of the Holy Spirit's job, we're talking about the Spirit, right? That's what the sermon series is about. Part of his job is to teach you and to help you understand Jesus' teachings. He guides us into all truth. If you're a friend of Jesus, you'll get insight into his heart and mind. You'll get revelation. God will reveal his heart to you. God will show you things that you could not understand on your own. As you journey with him, you'll understand his heart more and more and more. Here's the thing. Friends of God know the heart of God. Friends of God know the heart of God. If you want to get to know the heart of God, here's a practical thing to start incorporating into your life. Start incorporating spiritual disciplines. Okay, so spiritual disciplines, again, discipline can kind of be a nasty word in our culture, but it's a great thing. Spiritual disciplines are habits or practices from the life or teachings of Jesus to help you connect to God. Okay, there's so many of them. We could talk about Bible reading, prayer, Sabbath. Like some of y'all need to rest. Sabbath, I think we could preach on Sabbath tonight. I kind of wanted to. I was a little tempted because I could sense some of you are very tired right now. But the Lord wants you to rest, all right? Rest is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Okay, Sabbath, 24 hours of being with God. Also, we could talk about fasting. I could go on and on. There's tons of spiritual disciplines. Any habits or practices from the life or teachings of Jesus that help you connect to God. And these things are what help you get a window into God's heart. Okay, so for me, when I got home from Fall Retreat, I knew that I needed to prioritize my time with Jesus each day. Okay, so again, I began getting up earlier to do this, and I'm still practicing this. It's morphed over the years. It's kind of changed. It's been tweaked. I've kind of honed it over the years. You know, at first, it was pretty much like I'd wake up, pull up the Bible app on my phone, start scrolling, and I'd pass out. 
You know, it was a really good time with the Lord. Now, you know, it's a little more, like, there's more to it. So here's my time with Jesus. Just very simply, this kind of, you know, stripped down. But I start the day by journaling about what God did in my day yesterday. Okay, so I try to be aware of what happened the day before. What was God doing? Why was I angry in that moment? Why was I sad? I'm kind of journaling about what God was doing the previous day. Okay, so I start with that. And then I go into my Bible reading plan. And if you need a Bible reading plan, talk to your smart repeater. That's what they're trained to do is teach you how to read the Bible. Okay, so I'll go through it and I'll journal about each chapter that I read from. I read about three or four Old Testament chapters a day. I read a Psalm, a New Testament, epistle, and then also a gospel chapter each day. And I'll just journal like a thought about it. Okay, this is what God's saying in this chapter. And then at the end, I'll go on a prayer walk. I like to move when I pray. I struggle to stay focused if I'm sitting in one spot. I'm nervous about winter. We'll see how it goes. But the point is... I spend about 20 to 30 minutes in prayer just focusing on the Lord, talking to him. And I use a prayer app called Lectio 365. I encourage you to at least try it. It's really helpful. It kind of guides you through what to pray for each day. It kind of helps keep me focused. And I love praying with the people on there. There's different people who pray on there because these people just have a heart for prayer. And they're kind of like sages in prayer. And they kind of can guide you. So I encourage you to maybe check that app out. But yeah, but this is simply what I do. I, I have you know journaling time, Bible time, and then prayer time. I encourage you to to start incorporating this space where you can hear God's heart and get a window into who he is. Don't miss this appointment. If you're Jesus' friend, he wants to give you revelation. He wants to give you a window into his heart, but you have to create space, right? You have to create space to hear his heart. Okay, so create that space. Okay, there's one more mark of friendship. It's in verse 16. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Okay, so Jesus says, if you're his friend, then you're going to bear fruit. He chose you not just to be in relationship with him, but to bear spiritual fruit. Okay, so the third mark, the last one, is fruitfulness. Okay, so what does Jesus mean by this? Well, I think he means two things. So part of bearing spiritual fruit is becoming more like Jesus yourself. That's the whole goal of following Jesus. It's not just to get into heaven. It's to become like your teacher. It's to become like Jesus, okay? And as you're becoming like Jesus, you're going to see the fruit of the Spirit. Paul calls it the fruit of the Spirit. You're going to see it start to come out of your life. It says this in Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. As you abide with Jesus, you'll slowly start to become more like him. Okay, so there's that part. But I want to focus on the second part. The second part is helping other people become like him. It's, it's making disciples. It's helping other people become like Jesus. So... In Matthew 28, Jesus said this. He said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Okay, so we're instructed to go into the world and make disciples by baptizing or leading people to faith in Christ and then teaching people how to follow Jesus. That's our mandate. That's what Jesus called his disciples to do. Okay, so disciple in the Greek is mathetes. It's this Greek word, mathetes, and it means a learner, pupil, or disciple. It can also mean apprentice. Okay, so we're called to help other people apprentice under Jesus, to become like him. Friends of Jesus, hear me this morning, or not this morning, it's night. Friends of Jesus help, or help their friends become like Jesus. Can I say it again? Friends of Jesus help their friends become like Jesus. Simply put. Okay, so when I was at fall retreat, again, my freshman year, I keep going back to it. And got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I got a vision in my mind's eye, right when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, around that time. And the vision was of the room we met in, CAC 108, where you do morning prayer now. There's a reason why we do it there, okay? Because back then we met there, or back when we started. I got a vision 
of that room being filled up with students worshiping Jesus. And at the time, we had like 20, 30 people in Chi Alpha. So I'm like, you know, we got a ways to go. We got some growth to do. And I felt like God wanted me to be used by him to, or to reach the campus of UNI. So I didn't really know what to do, so I just start prayer walking the campus after that. Like, I don't really want to talk to anybody because I'm shy, but I will prayer walk this campus. Come on, we're going to reach some people. I, I knew that there's a call in my life to make disciples. I didn't really know how. I was super spiritually mature, but I just kind of did what I could. I, I started prayer walking. I started trying to tell my friends about Jesus. Not very well, but I tried my best. And during my sophomore year, I became the, the first small group leader for guys in Chi Alpha. And I led a small group, about 10 guys, as a first small group. And just kind of taught them the things I was learning. Nothing crazy, nothing, you know, supernatural was prepared. We would just open the Bible, read it. And I'd say, what do you think about it? And they'd say, well, I think this. It was typically wrong. But anyways, I'd say, what do you think? They'd say, I think this. I'm like, okay, kind of. And then I would try to share what I, you know, saw in Scripture. And then we'd pray together. And God began to do something in that group. And then actually after my sophomore year, I got married to Emily and we moved to Minneapolis so I could go to Bible college. And at the time, the Calpha director, Jonathan, had stepped out of the role and it, it went without a director for two years. Okay, so Calpha dwindled down. It had grown to about 60 students during my time there and dwindled down to about, you know, 10, 15 students. And in 2015, they asked me to return to kind of restart Calpha, kind of relaunch it. And came back in 2015 and just began to dream that God would want to do something on the campus. I still had that vision in my mind's eye of that room being filled up. And actually, we had moved to a different room. In the meantime, I said, we're going back to that room because I want to see this vision happen. And in 2016, we filled that room up. I remember the night like it was yesterday. There's people on the, on the stairs just filling that room up. There's 87 seats, and there was like 100 people in that room that night. I'm like, holy moly, God has answered my prayer. We're seeing students come to know Jesus and join Chi Alpha. It was amazing. And then God gave me another vision of this room being filled up. We got some work to do, but it's going to happen. Come on. I felt like God said, move to Lang and trust that I will fill it up with students. And it's been amazing over the last few years as God has grown our ministry pretty dramatically. And, and he's raised up disciples. Like, that's the most important thing. Not that this ministry grow large. Like, I love it if it grows large because we, you know, reach more people. But our primary concern is building big people. We believe if we build big people, we'll build a big ministry eventually. It might take some time, but it starts with, you know, big people, a firm foundation, the rock, or I don't know, but, and then it'll grow from there. Okay, so that's what we devoted our lives to over the course of five years. And we got to see over 80 students get baptized in water. It was just an incredible time. People called into ministry, you know, the entire Chi Alpha team, besides maybe one or two the current team was, was called into ministry during our time there, and we got to see a lot of those people come to faith in Christ. And some of you who are uh, seniors this year, I think that was my last year on the campus, you know, got to see you come to faith in Christ. So point is, I'm not char that charismatic, okay? Like, like when I'm preaching, God uses me and stuff, but I'm actually very shy, okay? I don't like talking to people I don't know. My disposition, like, like when God called me to plant a church, I'm like, you got the wrong guy, Okay, I just want to teach the Bible. I'm not the finger gun type of dude, right? That's just not me. I'm not going to be able to gather a crowd together and be like, woohoo, look at all the hype, what we got going on here at St. Church. That's just not me, right? I just want to, you know, build people up. That's all I want to do. But God has used me despite my weaknesses. God has used me despite my fears. Now, I used to be dramatically afraid of public speaking. Like, seriously, in eighth grade, I'd get up there to give a speech. And it was like, I'm not, I'm not being dramatic. This is genuinely, or genuinely what it was like. I'd be like, Okay, guys, I'm going to give a speech. Like, literally, my hands would just shake. I couldn't do anything about it. And I was like, God, I can't. Like, I can be in ministry, but I can't preach because I'm too afraid to do it. And now God uses me, I think, primarily in preaching. I think it's my best gift, like over pastoring, over other things. I think preaching is my best gift. And it's because, like, the Lord, he moves in the space of weakness. Hear me this morning. Or not this morning. Gosh, hear me tonight. 
I'm working on the preaching thing, but, but hear me tonight. He moves in our weaknesses. All right, so that thing that you feel like, okay, God could never use me to do that, that might be the thing he's calling you to do because you won't get in the way. Guys, I remember when I first became the director, I'd get up here and be so afraid to, to give sermons, and then God would just do stuff. He just started to do stuff. You know, fruit would start to come, and I just, I prioritized the secret place. I said, I'm going to spend time with the Lord first. I'm going to obey him, and I'm going to trust him to just kind of make fruit come out of that. I don't want to be a branch on the ground trying to bear fruit. I'm just going to, like, trust him to do it, and it's been incredible as God has done that. And really, like, I'm being honest when I say this, like, like there are key people that God brought into Chi Alpha at key times that, that truly built this ministry. Like, I remember my brother Derek decided to move back here. Great guy, right? And Casey Griffin, I remember when she came in in 2016. I remember John, and, and they came in also, and they started taking responsibility for the, for the ministry. Victor came in. You know, we prayed for him for a while, and then he got really serious. But I'm just playing with Victor. But, uh, you know, but God would bring these people in, and, and together we'd bear fruit. Like, the point is, if God calls you to it, he'll see you through it. Okay, so what is God calling you to do? How is he calling you to bear fruit? Maybe it just starts by sharing your faith with your floor, right? Just starting to invite people to come with you to Kyle, starting to invite them on the journey. Maybe it's going to be leading a small group next year. Maybe you're a freshman and you're starting to feel that tug and God's going to call you to go through the small group process. Like, it's a long process. It's a hard process, but it's a good process. It's going to help you grow. I think discipleship groups are a great place to start, right? And if you can't afford it, talk to Derek. He'll pay for it. But anyways, but uh, so, so discipleship groups, all that stuff, go on the journey and just see what God might do. Some of the best small group leaders we've seen in Kaifa are the people who you would never expect to be good at it because God uses them in their weakness. So go on that journey. And then after college, commit that you're not just going to live for yourself. Instead, you know, maybe you're a person who's a business major. Say, hey, I'm going to build a great business for the glory of God. I'm going to use it to, or to reach people. And then I'm going to give a lot of money away to missions, right? Or maybe you're called to be a teacher and say, hey, I'm determined to be a light in the school system. I, I'm determined to be a light there. I don't know what it is, but, but the point is, hear from the Lord, hear what he's calling you to do, connect to him, and then let him bear fruit through you. Let him use you. What God has done in you, he wants to do through you. What God has done in you. So what happens at far you, what happens in these encounters, God wants to do through you. All right, so the main idea tonight is this. If you want a life of more, you must become a friend of the Holy Spirit. If you want a life of more, you must become a friend of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so to review, how do you carry what happens at far retreat into your daily life? Well, you have to become a friend of Jesus. And to do that, you have to obey him. As you obey him, you'll receive revelation. Like, it is amazing when God gives you a window into his heart. I'm telling you guys, like, like when there's a thought that comes from the Lord, oh, there's nothing like it. When God speaks to you, when it's the very voice of God, there's nothing like it. Okay, so second thing is receive revelation. Third thing is bear fruit. If you can commit to this, you can commit to obeying the Lord, spending time with the Lord, and making disciples, you're gonna be able to go the distance. And I believe that a decade from now, you'll burn brighter than ever before. And the cool thing about this is it's such an adventure, right? Far retreat, small sauce, right? Compared to daily life, of being with Jesus, being with Jesus in, in the classroom, in the workplace, being with Jesus as you're with your family back home that just doesn't love Jesus, right? That's, like, that's where the action happens. Like if you read the book of Acts, the greatest miracles would happen in the marketplace, like in front of everybody to see like getting a layman up to walk right in front of everybody. Like check it out, look what God did. It, it didn't happen in these private little spiritual places. God is calling you to something more than just fall retreat. Fall retreat's great, but 
but something more than that. Okay, so the challenge tonight is very simple. Do you want to step into friendship with God? Do you want friendship with God? Right, not just experiences where you feel emotional sometimes, but friendship with the God of the universe. Do you want friendship? He's looking for friends. God wants you to be his friend. Jesus wants you to be his friend. If the answer is yes, it starts by encountering his love, right? Jesus does not want servants. He wants friends. He wants people, as Jaden was so beautifully saying, people who are just in awe of his beauty, people who just love him. Jesus chose you. You don't choose him. Jesus came after you when you were sinful and separated from God. He came after you and he gave it all for you. Jesus didn't go halfway. He's not a half-hearted lover, right? Jesus went all the way to the cross. He bled and died for you. It starts with that encounter with the love of God. That's what keeps the fire burning, right? For me, the fire doesn't keep burning because I feel this obligation to save the world. It doesn't keep burning because I want to earn something from God. It keeps burning because I see the beauty of Jesus Christ. I'm like, he is the most beautiful person in the universe. He's way better than all the things this world offers you. I'm telling you, the things the world offers you, they're cheap, right? Money is going to go away. All the things are going to go away. Sex is going to go away, right? Sex doesn't last forever. And here's the thing, when you get married, at some point you get old. You know that? You get old. I'm not old yet, but hey, someday we'll be old. (laughs) This stuff is temporary. Being successful is fleeting. It's fleeting. Jim Carrey talked about this. He said, you know, I wish that everyone could get everything they ever wanted and then realize it's, it's not the point. Like, it doesn't satisfy. Success is not going to do it for you. Straight A's won't do it for you, although you should do well in class. If you don't do well in class and you say it's because God told you not to do well, then we need to have a talk after our service. But uh, I'm telling you guys, the things of this world, they will not satisfy you. They will not satisfy you. Instead, being in love with the God of the universe, that's what will satisfy the hole in your heart. So stop going to other places to try to fill that hole. So it starts by encountering his love. But as you encounter his love, as this happens, you'll begin to obey. You'll begin to do the hard things. But in a strange way, as you do hard things, they'll actually feel very easy because you're in love. Right, when you're in love with somebody, it's easy to do nice things for them. It's easy uh, to try to please them and honor them. If you're in love with Jesus, it's so easy to, or to do these things. And not just because you're in love with him, but also because you know he has your best interests in mind. If he's telling you to do it, it's a, it's a good thing. So, so, you know, what hard thing is God asking you to do tonight? What is he asking you to do? Like that's where fall retreat becomes crystallized. That's where it gets pressed into you is when you start actually doing the things that God told you to do at fall retreat. Okay, so what is God asking you to do? Do you need to forgive a friend? Do you need to confess a sin? Do you need to walk away from a, from a relationship? Do the hard things. As you obey and begin to spend time with God, you'll start receiving revelation. You'll get a window into his heart. But here's the thing. God only gives that type of revelation to his friends. And some of you are like, God, why aren't you revealing more? He's like, you haven't done the last thing I told you to do. Why would I reveal something else to you? God, why aren't you doing this in my life? Well, just start obeying me. Maybe I'll start showing you more things. God gives you a window when you're his actual friend, someone who does what he tells you to do. So as you obey, then he'll start revealing stuff to you. And if God hasn't revealed anything else to you, just keep doing the last thing he told you to do. Are you willing to lean into the Lord over the long haul? Like not just like, 
okay, as long as this is good for me, as long as I'm getting the warm feelings and the butterflies, I'll keep leaning in. No, are you willing to lean in even when he seems distant? Even when you can't hear anything, are you willing to keep leaning in? Because that's where the revelation comes. It's when you keep pressing into God every single day. Say, God, I'm going to press in. I think of Jacob in the Old Testament. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm going to keep holding on to you. I'm going to wrestle with you through the night. God is looking for people who won't be weak and say, hey, I'm just going to give up because nothing happened the first time. Guys, if you saw the baptism of the Holy Spirit this weekend and didn't get it, hey, I got good news for you. God can still baptize you in the Holy Spirit today. Tonight, during worship, after this, he can do it, right? You don't need these special places for these things to happen. God wants to encounter you tonight. He wants to encounter you tomorrow morning. He wants to encounter you during your English class, you know, start speaking in tongues right in the middle of class. What are, what? No. <laughs> I'm kidding, don't do that. You can hold it back. But the point is, God wants you to press in. And as you press in, you'll bear fruit. And you're gonna raise up little Jesuses all across this campus. You'll potentially step into spiritual leadership in Chi Alpha or in your local church. You'll see people come to know Christ. But you have to start somewhere when it comes to making disciples. Just start with one person. I remember when God gave me a vision of the whole campus being reached, it was overwhelming. I was spiritually immature. I was an idiot. I didn't really know how to share my faith. But each day, God has helped me reach one more person, one more person. He's carried the load for me and led me each day. So who is that, you know, that one person that the Spirit is asking you to reach out to? Who's that one person that Jesus is asking you to start teaching about him to? You can't reach everyone, but you can reach one. Ask Jesus to give you his heart for the people in your life and be faithful to do what he asks you to do. All right, so stand to your feet. We're gonna close. end with this verse John 4 8 or not John 4 James 4 8 says this it says draw near to God and he will draw near to you draw near to God and he will draw near to you so I want to do that right now let's draw near to him let's close our eyes all across this room Jesus now we come to you and we're asking you to move. We gotta get a microphone that's on. Where we at? Get a microphone. Tonight we're asking you to move in this place. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will prove yourself to not just be the God of fall retreat, but the God who wants to walk with us in friendship. Lord, I pray that as these students draw near to you, that you would draw near to them and reveal your heart to them. Lord Jesus, we don't want a fall retreat faith. We want an everyday faith. So God, for those that went to fall retreat and had a supernatural experience, I pray that they would just continue to walk in that. God, for those who went and didn't get the experience they wanted, I pray that you would meet them right here, right now. And God, for those who didn't go to fall retreat at all, I pray that you would encourage them in the future to go, but also, Lord, that you'd meet with them right here, right now. Jesus, we love you in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's worship the Lord. I'm just being straight. The Lord wants to move right now. Okay, so you don't need to wait for another moment. Let's meet with him right now. And these altars are open. Okay, so if you're serious about meeting with Jesus, get up to these altars and seek his face.